So hello and welcome to episode 9 of Rebel City Podcast. As always, get Matt, how's it going man? Not bad mate, how's yourself? Aye, I'm all good mate. Out of pain now, I ruptured some tendons in my shoulder but um, finally got some nice painkillers and so life's all good. I can hear the birds singing in the morning. That's what you get for doing exercise. Well that's it, punishment, <laughs> punishment <laughs> exercise. Uh, that's <laughs> our guest this week's Greg Donaldson, how's it going man? Good evening, I'm well thank you. Nice so, to see you mate. Yeah. Very nice to see you. So, Greg, you've played guitar in Paradigm Shift, the band that we were in together, and yeah. met on the internet and got to know each other there. When grinder, <laughs> grinder. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> what, the what year would that have been? Maybe twenty uh, thirteen. I think it was twenty. No, it was, I think it was twenty twelve. Maybe even might yeah. have been late 2011, 2012. Um, I'm I I remember time periods based on the girlfriend that I had. Right. Um, <laughs> so I think it was late 2011, 2012 type thing. Mm-hmm. Who was a girlfriend? Was on them? I remember. That's shocking, yeah, mate. That's absolutely <laughs> fucking shocking. You better hope that she does not see this fucking podcast. We should have had the countdown video up there, shouldn't we? I can't even remember the pull. <laughs> no, actually, I'm just reluctant to we met, admit anything. <laughs> <laughs> we met. We met back in 2011, 2012, and. Um, even though we're very different people, I think we've like became good mates. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but you were away for a while, um, which um, has been strange and a sort of a way for me because we'd sort of had this bond in the band. It was like sort of like uh, we we worked well together, and then you had left. But I'm so happy to see you back. Like I was thinking before um, when we were talking before that I told so many people that you're coming back. Um, and the, the response that I got off everybody, well, the majority of people was, who's Greg? Yeah. I was just thinking, I've got so many people in my life that <laughs> had never met you. I often you know? get that response anyway, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, so, like, tell us a wee bit about your story about while you've been away. Yeah, so, um, the run up to the end of uni, I was adamant that I was either going to join the army or pursue my profession, which I was studying for, which I did a master's in physics. And I was either going to go down a PhD route or continue some sort of research scientist somewhere. I wanted to be like a laser engineer or rocket scientist or, you know, something that wore sandals, like, and that was okay. That kind of thing. So, um, cause I got really into it. My master's year, I thought, oh man, I'm actually starting to become like a, a good, if, if I can even identify myself as that, a good scientist, whatever I'm sure my supervisors yeah. say otherwise. But um, so I wanted to go into that, but I ended up I applied for a sort of big aerospace company uh, down south, and after the assessment centre, they they offered me a project manager job, and they said, "Yeah, we thought your technical knowledge was really good, but uh, we thought your personality suited project manager better." And I thought, oh, "That's good manager. That must be pretty, pretty sweet." So I was like, yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, I'm really interested. Um, wait a minute, you're trying to say I'm boring? What you what you getting out here? So obviously jumped at that. Uh, but moved south and that was just a, um, it was just a kind of decision that I, I, I'd made. It was a job I really wanted to do. Um, and yeah, I just, I just went for it. So moved into somewhere, not alien, you know, they're still like, we still have Tesco and they speak English and everything. So it's, <laughs> it's, still, it's still the UK. Just about. Um, yeah, just about. <laughs> Although the first place I moved was Salisbury. So, which has, you know, recently been sort of yeah. gash attacked and all that. Um, and you want to tell us? No, was me. Yet, his name's Nyet actually Gregor. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
no, so I, so I was in there for a while, moved around, seven months in hotels. Um, that got sort of borderline depressing, to be honest. Man. No no team, no nothing. I didn't have my band. I didn't have my, my army stuff. I didn't have my friends around me. I didn't have my family. And I was like 400 miles away from home. Jesus so Christ. seven months of that, and then I, I was putting, putting on weight and everything. So I, I just I started to get in a bit of kind of a low low place, so and I thought I'm Alan Partridge is a documentary. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I, I just got a bit um, a bit down, and I thought I need to do something to, to change this. So mm-hmm. um, I basically I was very much enjoying my financial situation, which was not paying any rent, um, but I wasn't particularly enjoying my living situation. Hotel every night. I don't have a home base. I'm in different city, different city. You know, I was in the Hebrides at one point and all that kind of thing. So you're thinking the absolute whirlwind up and down the country and uh, so I found a found a house in Camberley three bed unfurnished I went what if I just rent that out and rent it back to the company for cheaper than what they pay in hotels because nobody wants to live in hotels Mm -hmm. I got my approval from a manager did it took the leap um, saved the company money I saved myself money the turns out the landlord was like a professor at Oxford Uni in engineering sciences who used to work for the company I was at so uh, we got chatting a few times and then I ended up, he thought that was really quite entrepreneurial. Um, invited me to meet the CEO of his startup and I thought, yeah, cool, go for that. Got in, chatted and I thought, absolutely. So the guy pretty much offered me the job on the spot. Um, nice. I took that, spent two years there. So it was a startup? Uh, yeah. So it was uh, like conditional health-based monitoring. So uh, for instance, in your car, you're driving along, oil change, 2,000 metres, tyre pressure low, blah, blah, blah. You know, you can do another... 50 miles in this tire before it pops that but for airplanes so a few okay. months ago a few months ago um one of the engines on one of the planes spinning around spinning around spinning one of the blades came flying off through the window sucked some women out everybody, everybody pulled her back in basically because you know it's metal it's going at high speed high yeah. tension blah 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 so <clears throat> did this actually happen this happened yeah this, i've got like low-key fear of flying Right. So no, so this was in a wind tunnel on the ground. I'm assuming. <laughs> no, so this was a uh, thirty thousand feet in the air. But don't worry. All right, never mind then. Companies, <laughs> companies like this one were there to fix all that. So yeah. basically, we, you know, we, we had a, a technologies that have sort of come about over thirty years of research in Oxford Uni. They need a way to commercialise it because universities are charities. They can't warranty things. They can't hmm. support large scale industrial activity. So they have a massive pot of money. It's like half a billion pounds that they find really clever things in the uni and they just pump money into it and get a good team around it and build, build that into a business. Yeah. So I got sucked into one of them, uh, <clears throat> sort of first employee there. My boss was a FTSE 250 CEO. So yeah, I got, I got to learn some fantastic stuff. Um, hard, like real, real deep end, like deep end with bricks on. You know, that, that was like what it was like for the first year. And then I started to slowly get more competent or feel more competent at least mm-hmm. uh, did that for a year one minute I'm the marketing director next minute I'm the HR guy and now I'm doing some legal contract and now I'm doing business development in Oslo and you, just absolutely everything and I thought wow I need to write all of this down in my CV because <laughs> I'm just going to go oh, I forgot what I've done um, which when uh, so my stepdad had been diagnosed with cancer just before I left sort of March of 2015 Um so I obviously went away in August or September from my job and for the last three years he died in April this year so uh, I and obviously I, I hadn't been there for his most of his diagnosis and his, his suffering really so I t- 
took the opportunity with my boss um, to, we were at our kind of crossroads. We'd got a lot of, uh, we'd secured a lot of contracts with these big, big guys, uh, a lot of research and development stuff. So there was going to be a lot of lab work. Um, whereas I'd done such a broad spectrum of things and I really needed to, I wanted to be like a ninja at my profession because that's, you know, if you want to, you want to succeed, you've got to get good at something and be, be good at it, be an expert. So I, I wanted to kind of close that in. I wasn't really going to have the opportunity to do that unless I rebranded myself. And I felt like that would be taken a year back and I thought, nah. So I basically, I, I decided to come home, move back to Glasgow, um, which I'm really, really glad I did. Yeah. Um, or I've done. And yeah, it was just, it was such a warm reception from people. I just, I, I was, you know, kind of contemplated why I ever left kind of thing. Um, jumped straight back into, you know, playing a bit of guitar, yeah, going out with my friends, just, just, just doing what I've always done, and it was it was great fun. Um, and obviously my family were really pleased to see me, so, uh, that was great. And all those silly things I'd written down in my CV, it's got me a pretty nice job. So, but I don't start that for a few months. Um, mm -hmm. so I've got a bit of time off, sort of paid salary as well. So I've nice. got, yeah, but I'm just trying to keep my mind exercised. So I've been reading things like uh, Rubicon and the picture of Dorian Gray and all that. Oh, right, excellent. Yeah, which is a really really good book. Um. Not quite finished it yet, but just some some of the some of the parallels that that he draws um, to to sort of society or England as as you would call it mm -hmm. as it used to be interchangeable with Britain in like sort of seventeen eighteen hundreds. Um, some of the parallels he draws there are still completely true today. Oh, like yeah. people being really uncomfortable. Like you hold the mirror up to people and they just don't like it in this country. They go, mm. oh no, we'll just ignore, we'll ignore that. I think that's a universal truth. A hundred percent, but it's it's particularly prevalent in the UK. Like. It's the Instagram just, filters on a mirror. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. There's you, you know, <laughs> your honking wrinkles and the rest of you. It's just no you come. That, I think it's weird. Do that, you know like, what? No man, we're struck fucking gold. Like we need to delete this podcast because we need to create the mirror. There we go. <laughs> no, this is this was your purpose in being here tonight. Yeah. I find it odd that <laughs> as an English it. student, I've came yeah. prepared with like a gajillion physics questions because. Essentially, Morgan Freeman taught me physics through the um, through yeah through the um, but like we start off with like literature. You know what I mean? What? So well, this this was me. This was me kind of realizing, um, in order to be a a, a well-rounded individual, individual, I need to um, expand my sort of retinue of, of skills, knowledge, experiences to mm -hmm. everything that I can and become become a considered individual and yeah. not just a a guy who has a few experiences. Like mm -hmm. I'd like to be able to just approach everything with the same um, consideration and, and This is something I've seen from up elsewhere. I, as I was saying before we started the night, uh -huh. part of my research was watching Particle Fever and there's a number of comparisons <laughs> like this is this is a it's, if it's known a documentary, I'm not gonna pick it up. Uh, but they were saying there's a lot of crossover between like the artistic side of their brains, a lot of like really heavily trained musicians, yeah. pianists and stuff like that, but it's it marries really well with an analytical sort of, you know, scientific mind. Yeah, so I, th I think um, particularly physics, conceptually at times can be a very difficult subject. Yeah. People sometimes just cannot grasp why things are the way they are and that, that doesn't make sense, but that's nature and particularly if you get down to the quantum level, there is no certainty. Everything's a sort yeah. of probability. It's like a, um, I mean, you're learning, you're learning and standard. Well, I think it's national five now is what they do in school. So you're learning early physics that the speed of 
the acceleration due to gravity is 10 meters per second squared. And then you get to higher and it's 9.8. Then you get to advance higher and it's 9.81. Yeah. Blah, blah. So it just, it, things just change and change and change. And then it's like that the more you, the more you look into nature, it just things get a bit more complicated, a bit more complicated. So, you know, you've got your little, that's the Bohr model of the atom. You've got your nucleus with the proton and neutron, mm -hmm. your little electrons doing little loops. Yeah. You know, he's doing that. I like how you that's, smile. That's not. I'm that. sitting going, I understand this. Yeah. And you're sitting going, yeah. I've, yeah, this is a, this is a, the, the physics for, for dummies. Yeah. <laughs> Wait for the drop. So like that, that changes from this really simplistic, oh, that's how it works. That's an easy way to understand yeah. that. Once you get a bit deeper into the sort of quantum elements of things, it's uh, kind of like physical chemistry. Um, you, due to the, the nature of electrons being particles and they're subject to all, all kinds of weird forces and, and, and laws and things like that, they, it becomes more of a, probability distribution or probability density it's cloud. about your creative thinking process rather than so, necessarily exactly everything that you're yeah so now. so in order for people to actually even think of this to to conceptualize what the hell is a probability density cloud it's basically from and it, i mean some of them look like a teardrop some of them look like a donut ring and that's just basically saying at this particular level which in this in physical chemistry is called an orbital. Mm -hmm. So you have different levels that they orbit. It's called an orbital, yep. and um, there's different types of shells, like an S shell, a P shell, blah blah blah. Um, and the, some of them are teardrop shaped, and that that's basically saying whatever, however thick or thin or fat or whatever this bit of teardrop is, mm -hmm. that's how likely you are to find that electron. So right down here, where it's really really skinny probably not going to be there mm -hmm. up in the big fat but it's going to be in there somewhere so it's like a bell graph i kind of yeah so it's, it's going to be somewhere in in mm -hmm. here um so you know you learn that and then you go even further into like oh what are quarks because like these build these build particles you're like mm -hmm. I, thought, I thought an electron I thought an atom was the smallest thing it's like no nah. no two things there's a few things in an atom and then there's things in those and then the and there's things in those, and you just you just go down and down until you and hit this things thing. we're still finding. Ah, you, you you hit this tiny wee thing called the Planck. It's like the Planck length or the Planck constant. That's the that's the tiniest thing we can imagine, mm -hmm. and that's that's like the kind of universal sewing needle that that will keep the whole fabric of your understanding of it together. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I can't even remember where I was going with this. But so I was talking about just obviously <laughs> the, the, the you know the the switch yeah, between scientific it, yeah. and creative. You know what I mean, like because. Yeah. So it, the it, mindset it, allows to, uh -huh. you know, it, flip. Yeah, and, and I think that particularly in physics, um, there are so many weird concepts that you can probably grasp if you can think about it as a thought experiment, mm -hmm. um, like speed of light and Einstein and, and, you know, planets moving away from each other, the faster they get, the light changes it's coming, redshift and everything. And then you've also got the maths to back it up. And if you can't prove the maths, you can't, Apart from sheer observation, it is far more difficult to. Because I mean, I, I can tell you, like, I move that. There we go. There's a force applied. Mm -hmm. But in order to predict that every time and understand how that works, I need to. I need a set of laws. I need some maths mm -hmm. in order to say I can predict that every time based yeah. on the, the circumstances. So you need to use that analytical side to do that. But the creative side is going. What if I, what if I drop that off a cliff? Yeah. What's it do? Ah, oh, that. Oh, it gets faster as it goes down. All right. Okay. Cool. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna time that, and then all of a sudden you've timed it. You put it on the height, and then you start looking at ah, maybe maybe this maybe there's a bit of air resistance that's stopping that reaching its peak thing. Mm -hmm. So I need to drop it in a vacuum. How do I do that? You know, and then it just goes and goes and goes. Yeah. So you end up getting yeah. this like constant 
constant battle thought. between theory and practical. Kind of like you're just in a constant thought process of I need to know more. 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 And that's why I think the scientific method is. Uh, it's just great. It's really fun to be part of. Mm-hmm. Um, it sort of teaches you a way to, to think about problems. Mm-hmm. You can't all be solved that way. And that's, yeah. I think that's something that as a younger scientist, you like, you, you try and apply like that kind of problem solving, that kind of logic to people. Mm-hmm. And you're like, actually people don't work like that. People are, people's brains work really weird. Yeah. Right, in really Tell weird ways. <laughs> so, so you, you kind of think, ah, well obviously logically you're just not understanding this. And it's like, well, of course they're not. Cause that's not how their brains wired. They, yeah. They haven't had the, you know, and then, then there's a whole other, like, do you debate them or do you try and empathise with them or, what, you know, how, how do you do that? So there's... I usually just shout at them. <laughs> so no. it's, been a, it's been a good... Um, it's a popular choice. Uh, yeah. But it was a very good, uh, it's a good grounding for me to learn how to critically think. Uh, and then since then, having, dealing with people in all, all spectrums and all successes and all, all walks of life that I've, I've kind of learned how um, you just need to figure out, and you're, you're good at this as well, just figuring out how someone ticks quite quickly and try and go and write, how do I approach you to, to reach the, what, what do I want the outcome of this conversation to be? What's the best way to achieve that? Rather than, um, you know, trying to force my point on people. And that's, uh, I think that's something that some people can be guilty of. Mm-hmm. Like particularly, uh, some scientists think because they did science, but I, I think around the Brexit thing, some scientists, because they did science, it makes them right on everything makes them more makes their opinion more valid than than other people <coughs> on things that aren't science related mm-hmm. yeah uh, which i find i find quite difficult to There's a lot of that going about the news well aren't there yeah, to pass that path but mm-hmm. but the, the skill like the the skills are being able to communicate and stuff i think that this is something that a lot of people are just forgetting is important <laughs> in a lot of ways do you know what i mean like they're saying that we live in a world where people just constantly force their opinion on other people. Mm. That's what we're in, like this sort of opinion hunger games style yeah. thing on Twitter <clears throat> between <laughs> each other. It becomes just... less and less about truth and fact every day, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> um, so, like, see, moving away, and because essentially what you did was sort of moved away a job, so it's been like a sort of economical migrant. Mm. Um, not that far. I mean, it's not been that far, but what do you think? Like, it sounds like it was a pretty sort of life-changing experience um, yeah definitely i mean it's probably the same well maybe a bit different for some people that have moved to london massive metropolitan thing um i found a lot of the time that i wasn't um either wasn't challenged enough or i wasn't mentored enough i'd went from like i said really been really creative with the band physically challenged with the army mentally challenged with the army and being extremely mentally challenged at university I didn't really get that. I wasn't. I didn't feel like I was living my whole, like living my best life. You know, I didn't feel like I was doing that uh, mm-hmm. a lot of the time. So I tried to find things to, to sort of fill the void. So I was like physically uh, American football. I watched it on the TV in a bar in America when I was away for work, and I thought I'm going to play that when I go home. So I just picked that up for two years. And um, the creative side of things, startup allows a bit of that, but it's it's all focused on business. And I thought I want to do a bit of music. So. Um, you know, I bought obviously before I sat down with a guitar and recorded and made demos that way, and then I took this time to kind of exercise my creative creative side by learning how to produce music and compose it, okay. um, and and that 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 was a good way for me to try and fill that gap. So I think for me, really, it was a kind of trying to fill gaps mm-hmm. um, and what I had in my life and what I what I had found to be important. Um, 
yeah, I could be earning a bit of money, but it it, it isn't everything. It really isn't everything. Mm-hmm. And that was, um, that I think that was a, a really big lesson for me. Is just, I got to find something that I really enjoy doing. It's well paid enough that I can be comfortable and feel that I'm rewarded appropriately. And I need to have time to exercise my social requirements, my creative requirements, my physical requirements to keep me and sort of keep me on my edge, keep me in sort of peak condition yeah. as a as a as a person. Mm-hmm. Um and Are you surprised? Um Yeah, I mean I think a lot of the time it hit hard. Like sometimes you definitely felt lonely. Um, so I'm quite a social person anyway so yeah uh, times I definitely felt lonely I felt underutilised um, and that that felt that felt quite surprising I think the first day I went into work I was expecting to be dragged up and down going to meetings mm-hmm. and it was like you know there's a guy sitting at a desk eating crisps and I thought right hey, is that I'm at the cutting edge this, here <laughs> that, yeah I'm sitting there going is this you know you know and there's, there's sort of guys in the office saying things like oh I was talking about, you know, I'd like to like invest in property and, you know, maybe put, you know, maybe put a bit of money aside somewhere if I can be smart with it, that I can, you know, reap the rewards in 20, 30 years and things. And he's like, oh, I wish I'd done that. And I was like, my God, I never want to be you. Like <clears throat> sitting there, you know, that guy's just done this or that's all he's ever done in his life. He's never taken his, his brain outside of this, this box. Um, and that, that was a kind of, that was an eye opener for me. I thought, I thought going and starting work would be, um, I thought it would, give me a completely different purpose but I was still a bit confused I wasn't quite sure mm-hmm. what is my purpose you know where does that lie and then when I was like I said when I was in the hotels all the time going around and around and around yeah. going what what's the point what's the purpose of this kind of thing so I, I then had to kind of uh, get back on my feet to think you know I need I need something to do I need something to focus my mind on yep. um, and that's when I, I started to look at other jobs luckily this Oxford thing came up pretty quick, and that kept me that kept me very occupied. Um, good, but again, not without its challenges because you get, like I said, you get guys a bit older. They sometimes don't come in till ten, ten thirty, and yeah. you know other things. And then the the locations are sporadic. And now I've got to find find my own routine to do everything. I've got to film my own progression plan, and I'm like, this is a lot of stuff. And um, yeah, so yeah, it, it, it's been a. I've definitely been in the deep end and I've come out better for it, I think. Um, had I had I not, I, th- I think, had as steely a resolve as I've had and had to have um, just to get through what I've been doing, um, I think I'd have probably packed up and come up the road quite a lot sooner. Yeah. Um, until I took the opportunity where realising things like someone dies in your family. Yeah. You've only got one. You know, you've got one dad, you've got one mum, that kind of thing. So it's like, I'm actually going to just spend a bit more time, a bit of my younger adult life, got time, got a bit of money, spend that around my friends and my family where I can really, really enjoy that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was a good wake-up call, but now I've, I've came home. Um, I'm more self-aware. I'm more focused on what it is I want to do and what I want to be good at and how I can contribute to myself, my family, or, you know, I'll beat the world if that's the case, whatever it needs to be. Yeah. Um, wherever I can focus my passion in is going to be um, enriched. And that's that's kind of what I want to do is, is make, make a success of things, whatever I put my mind to. And now mm-hmm. I've kind of realised I need to exercise my social requirement, creative, physical and work. And I'm, I'm kind of like, that's if I can tick all those boxes, doesn't matter how I'm ticking them, 
Yeah. If I can tick them, tick them, then I will be happy and I will be focused on things. Mm-hmm. So um, that was I find comfort yeah. and focus. I certainly do. Yeah. It's something that you know, something that breaks that focus for me is something that causes issues. You know what I mean? And I think we've talked in previous episodes about the structures that you do and can put in place in life, and I think it's quite refreshing yeah. to hear somebody that's actually there and and managing them, especially at such a young age with such a a lot of responsibility over the last couple of years, you know I what I mean? Yeah. I still impressive. feel behind. Like I still feel that there's way more I could do and way more I could have done. Um but that's just something that I need to take forward and go, I couldn't have done it. Yeah. There's no way I could have known. You know, I didn't have the you know, I, I was fortunate enough in the sort of five or six months into my my uh, startup job, um I got a business coach. So my, my boss knew a guy, he's he teaches uh, part of Cambridge's EMBA. Uh, he's one of their business coaches, business talent development coach. And I thought, all right. yeah, all right, okay. And I, that guy, uh, that guy is absolutely phenomenal. He just opened my eyes to like how to approach problems and how to, you know, and the, the, the bigger thing he was telling me is like, what's like, forget your career. Like, what's your life goal? What's your life ambition? I'm like, yeah. I don't know. Like a, you know, maybe like a, if you want like a house and kids and a family and you want things to be happy and successful and secure, it's like, that's a life goal, but try and quantify it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, right. Well, do you start? I, so he's like, there you are. You know, you've got, if that's your little circle of things you want, doesn't doesn't need to be like completely specific because a lot of things change, but yeah. that's where you are. How do you align your career ambitions to meet that? Mm-hmm. Because if you do it the other way, you're never going to be happy. You're never going to find, you know, you're going to end, you're going to end up somewhere as a consequence of what you did rather than, at least not making what you want to happen by accident. Mm-hmm. And that, that was a big thing. Don't make it happen by accident. Things will happen by accident, but at least you were prepared for some way, in some way for something. And that that was a great lesson for me. Um, and I, I took that into trying to have my own sh- my own schedule and look for where value can be added. And I think we touched on this last time is like useless jobs, like bullshit jobs kind of thing. Like a lot of people just skive because they need to get hours in and you know that they're just they're not really adding anything and it's not their fault it's just that's something they're doing and i thought right i need to be adding value all the time so everything i try to do is like right how can i improve that how can i improve that how can i improve that where's that going wrong how can i improve that so mm-hmm. that's again and i think that's a i think that my science background it, it grounded me towards is i need to fix things i need to fix it the notion of process yeah progress progress and progress through process yeah, yeah. um and if it can be applied that way but then that's where you have to be creative as well as yep. analytical so I think it's um, I think I've definitely found not my niche but I've found a, an area that I'd like to, to work in where I can I can really see uh, see my mindset working in that which is a kind of um, like models built business models strategy that kind of mm-hmm. thing it's like we need to achieve a goal I need to get there and it's I don't like I don't like sitting doing repetitive things. I get mm-hmm. really bored with that really quickly. I like to do, uh, you know, here's a goal, mission, how do we get there? Yep. That kind of thing. So that's that's what drives me. So as long as I can, like, if I, if I wanted to write an EP this year, I got to Christmas and I go, right, four songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I want. And I'll, I need to find a way to make that happen. So uh, that, that's kind of the way I approach things now, um, is to set myself a goal and, and try and achieve that. So in terms of the musical side of things, mm-hmm. have you... Got ready to set in that goal that yeah? Um not quite yet. Uh I think that was just a, an example, but I'd mm-hmm. like to do o- over the next year, 
because I'm obviously I've moved back home, so I'm still settling in, yeah. um, and I'm again trying to be realistic with my surroundings. Mm-hmm. Um, all my equipment, I need to set all that up so that I can record my own demos and compose my own time and, and that kind of thing. So, so you see it more as like your own endeavor rather than maybe the band format again, or what? Um, well, I've, I've been I've been doing a little bit of things with Paul, mm-hmm. um, which we'll definitely we, do something. Yeah, we're we're, we're definitely we'll going to be doing something, but um, it's just not took form yet. No. Right. Uh, it's just we're, we're, you know I'm I'm not long back. I've got things to sort out, and then it's like, when as soon as the minute I can put the time and effort in, uh, I want to do that 100. percent So I just need to get myself like a flat that I can put all my stuff in. Basically, uh, uh, we'll get going. We've yeah. we had two like we've been together twice, and we come up with a bass sound, not even a bass line, <laughs> a bass sound. Which right. Two hours before the f- a football game a couple of weeks ago when we came up with a sound. <laughs> sound. <laughs> okay. You just laughed. We were all sitting pure howling at it. It was brilliant. And then we've like done like a guitar and I've come up with a wee vocal bit. So yeah. we'll de- definitely got to do something. Oh, well, I enjoyed the last band, so I'll get the finger out. <laughs> um, it just depends on what that looks like. We just yeah. don't know what that looks like. Yeah. Something about the, the whole the story that um, opened my eyes to something was the, the, the way that you had sort of explained about how you had felt and that you wanted to come back and mm. it made me think about um people that don't have that sort of luxury uh-huh. that, that are just forced to to live somewhere before work no family no friends just go there and, and it's like go and make it happen you need to like try and build and it made me really think hard about that i remember like a news story i think back in 2011 and it was talking about how they were pushing people out of london yep um and there was people that had been moved out of council houses in london and moved to nottingham and the, 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 basically they were just expecting that, that's fine you're not that far and you're like but well on benefits they can't travel to london to see their family every day like yeah they're, they're used to being run about their family jobs and stuff like that um and it made me really think about that and and how the um the family sort of nucleus and stuff it's really important i mean clearly um mm. to you as well yeah um yeah because i mean the ambitions that you're talking about the goals that you're talking about in terms of the last sort of 10 15 minutes are all quite humble i mean you're talking about time with your family your health a creative outlet you're not talking about you know probably what i would <laughs> you know if i had the resources available to me at my at your age that you know when i was there i don't think i would have been considering any of those pillars in my health or well-being you well know what i mean I, I think what i've realized is um <clears throat> you know i, I i'd realized that about life goals against career goals and um i think i'm 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 fortunate enough to have i've got a good education and i've got um i've got qualifications behind me i've got experience so i'm probably not going to be strapped for um good jobs Mm -hmm. essentially and you know to that end i am i'm very grateful that i can focus a lot of my efforts on i want to but i suppose even that though when i described i'd found the things that i need to do to keep myself as a at the peak focus Mm that that's that's what i've figured is important that gives me the most meaning it gives me the most mm-hmm. um yeah i could go to i could go do investment banking in the city or whatever don't really want to work 90 hours a week and just you know fritter my life away to make someone else richer i'd rather get rich of my own accord doing things that didn't screw anyone over that i have had a great time doing yeah if i, if I get rich and that's that's the way i'm looking at it is like well, i kept my family happy i kept all my friends i gotta do some really cool cool things that people don't normally get to do like the band and, and you know various other things and and I, I made some money while I was doing it yeah it's like that's that that's like the way to support everything but mm-hmm. um 
you think the the experience is because it's that's that that's a really sort of unique. I don't think I've ever spoke to anybody your age that's been like, if I can keep the family happy and keep the friends, it's basically like, fuck the friends. Like, if I'm, nah, I'm wanting to make, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I want to do this, it's about me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Do you think that the whole experience, because that, it, it is unique, do you think that that's moulded, that sort of point of view? Like, do you think you've benefited for having the things taken away for you, young, to go... I need that. Like I really need that. I I would, yeah. I I would say it was on a. Again, some of the time sitting with this my coach, to just explore. What do you want? What do you need? To make you better. How do you want to be better at work? You know, it's like if I say to him. I want to be better at this. I need this. I need this interaction. I need this. I need that. And he'd be like, okay, let's think about that then. And then he'd just bring it out. So. For me, you know, um, like the job I'm going to start. I'd be earning similar money to what I'd be doing in London anyway. Um, also, fortunately, uh, I think Glasgow, there's about £20 billion circulating around it in the city economy. Uh, it's the fastest growing city economy outside of London. Um, as, as you've seen through the Clydeside regeneration, fantastic mm-hmm. place to be. Barclays are throwing jobs at it. Yep. JP Morgan are throwing jobs. So these are like big, big banks. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking about banks. There's a lot of engineering. There's a lot of life sciences. and, and Scottish power have relocated a massive one in the city centre as well. Absolutely everything. There was an interesting study I did at uni and we basically figured out that Scotland's coast has 25% of Europe's offshore potential for energy. Yeah. Yeah, so that's Europe. So that's like <clears throat> massive. 400, 300, that was one of the ones people. that did the rounds during the independence referendum because I was aware of but people don't, something people, similar yeah. to that figure. But but the, the thing that irritated me is like I'd done research from a group and we'd went, ah, 25% that's a lot and I like never seen that figure crop up again and I thought that's wasted that's like wasted propaganda you could yeah. have thrown in there I think um, if yeah. I remember right after Cameron got his majority um, one of his kind of anti-independence measures was to pretty much legislate against the Scottish green energy industry um, um, so yeah. I don't know how much a part that played in it to be fair but yeah I think um, well the interesting thing is all the wind turbines that we're using are all built in Germany and mm-hmm. you know Netherlands Denmark, Netherlands. Yeah, manufacturing. So, we're, we're, basically, we're basically renting them and selling the energy back. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, regardless, it's still a fantastic thing in yeah. Scotland anyway. It's, you know, it's the new, green energy is like the new oil. It's mm-hmm. like energy, it, it, in terms of the, like the job sector, finance, you know, medicine, energy, oil and, and gas. So they're all in the same thing because it's yeah. like, ah, you, this is what you're for. So, um, that's certainly the way it's going. Aberdeen took a bit of a hit um, for the oil oil cr- oil crash and the, the the prices in barrels um, starting to creep back up. But yeah, yeah. But I think um, energy is a great place to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I I've just went off on a tangent. I, forgot. I think it's I an interesting thing, especially <laughs> when it comes to the green energy side of things, uh-huh. because like in terms of your engineering, your science, like there's already places like Portugal that are running. You know, almost yeah. exclusively Sweden off of green well. energy. Mm. Um, so there, I think some Central American countries make massive use of like geothermal energy and stuff like that. Probably, and yeah. it's it's all there, and it's I don't get why we're money digging holes. I it's, it is just money. money. I think it's mere influence because, I mean, the you're still going to get. I mean, even if it it goes green, they're still going to make you pay for it. So yeah. they're still going to make money off it. Yeah. I think it's the mere the influence. I think it's mere 
the infrastructure's there for the oil and the coal and the gases, and they're just basically like, we're holding on to this for fucking dear life. We'll probably find that once the green energies become as profitable as mm. the oils and the gases, because all the green stuff's all BP. It's all the same people. Yes, do you know what I mean? It's not like some guy that's yeah. catching wind and going like, we'll, we'll do this and we'll get this for ourselves or anything like that. It's all BP. It's all the big guys that are... Nah, that it's are, no like Jeff with a homemade wind turbine exactly. out in the back of the farmers. So know, as soon as more. it becomes as profitable, which is technically money, but it's, it, I think they'll get the ultimate influence. They'll they'll Absolutely. they'll turn the switch on. And it. the big issue as well when it comes to like you know oil explicitly is that like how much of the world is plastic? You know what I mean? Like it's all right gone. Well, we'll phase out oil as an energy source and go green and all these things. But like, what about the rest of it? Like, how do we re- how do we replace the rest of it? That if we're gonna go no, we're not using that. You know what I mean? Like, huge portion of the world's built off it. I think all the pharmaceuticals, every single like tablet that you take has got oil in it some sort of hydrocarbon or whatever yeah so i it it might be an interesting one they maybe no switch it off completely but we need to get away from using fossil fuels i think that like definitely um but i I, like i think we get into that there they were saying like how it shaped like your viewpoint like you get quite a unique viewpoint the sort of yeah, I think my point goal was set, the goal setting. And yeah, I think I think my point was your mentor at, at Oxford, like the the coach guy. Uh, yeah, I think I think the 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 my biggest takeaway was um, I am fortunate enough to have um, to be able to like I I don't think my career will suffer, and Glasgow City economy is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and I can leverage that to my own end to meet all these other goals I have, the more humble ones, like we said. So if I want to progress my career, fine. But at least I'm only five miles away from my family. Yeah. And I can still be making good money. I can mm-hmm. still have a high... It's, it's not about making the money. It's about the standard of living, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it sounds like the work's important as well. I I, I, I think it's a Stephen Hawking quote. He says, you need to find meaning in your work. Yep. Um, and that's I struggled with that for the first year. Um, now I know what I want to do. I know where I can bring value to... To add, I, I can demonstrate value mm-hmm. um, to myself to say what I have done has had a tangible impact on X X X Y Z. Yeah, and I can I can just extrapolate that myself from what I've done. I can make guesswork and probably be right and go probably improved that bit of infrastructure mm-hmm. through what I've done here, etc. So I think the analytical mind is going to be vital in those situations. You know what I mean? Like I think mm-hmm. you're getting the best of both worlds there where yeah. you can practically apply it to your everyday life, both in terms of your professional and your personal life by the sounds of it. Yeah. Well, I think you, yeah, I, I think I, I'm, I've been relatively lucky having the, um, having the sort of external factors like this coach guy and, and even, even, even talking to yourself and, and, just the conversations you have with people. Um, I've got a lot of friends on both ends of the spectrum, so mm-hmm. you just get different. View- none, none of them are none of them are wrong or right. It's just that everyone has a unique viewpoint, and you have to kind of collect them. Like a bit like like mm. we do in science. I'll keep mm-hmm. bringing it back because it seems to be the theme. But you keep bringing it back. You bring everything back. You can average it out, and you go, ah, that must be the that must be roughly what it is. So you mm-hmm. kind of go, right. I need to find an answer, and sometimes the answers aren't. It might not be what you like to hear. They might not be black and white, but you know, sometimes it's like you have to work harder. Mm-hmm. You have to get up a bit earlier. You have to do something else. Yeah. Uh, you have to 
you know, be nice to that person that you really don't like, you don't want to be, but um, sometimes they have to be nice to you. Tell me about that. I know. <laughs> have you, you any cool shit that you can that you can actually talk about? Uh, what you you not enjoying it so far? No, <laughs> no <I'm talking> about <laughs> <laughs> um, more about like anything that you've done. And uh, yeah, so actually talking about the band name, uh, must have been like twenty, maybe twenty twelve. Yeah, probably twenty twelve when we were naming the band or whatever. We didn't have a name. Uh, and I was talking to one of my lecturers and some Italians, uh, sort of surprise, surprise, had clocked a particle moving faster than the speed of light. And everyone's like, oh, no, that can't be true. That's That defies relativity. Yeah. It defines Einstein's you know, laws of nature, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I was discussing it with my, my lecturer and he's like, did you do that in Glasgow? No, it was in that Glasgow, you know? Or it was in CERN, yeah, yeah. So it was like... Um, can't remember. It was in, I think it was in Italy. Uh, some someone had just made a total bummer or whatever it was. Like yeah. some guys, like ah, whatever, and he he basically made a mistake in the measurement because we're like, well, what was an neutrino? Because they've got no mass, so technically they can exceed the speed of light. Because yeah. that's that that be no, it can't be that. It can't be that. Uh, oh shit, we've made a mistake. And then they, they had to apologise <laughs> to like the whole scientific I don't community. I think I'd be happy resetting Atlas. You know what I mean? Like that's the big <laughs> picture that everybody sees us on with the, yeah. the big golden sort of disc that yeah. is literally just it's like a camera lens as soon as the two, uh, soon as the two particles go they just explode into bits of things and these, these massive gold things just pick them up have you ever yeah. read any conspiracy yeah. theories about CERN? <clears throat> oh I've no no well there's like there's a couple and they, they so one is that they'll try to create a black hole <laughs> right, so I did see that so it's, well, they, they, in the build up, quite yeah. closely associated with flat Earth. They, yeah. These ones, and then the other one is is that they're trying to bring about Satan. Okay, <laughs> that, that is a genuine conspiracy theory. Is that CERN they'll try to create the portal to hell? Satan could be an acronym, it's, like everything else at CERN. Be like the <laughs> super <yeah>. awesome <laughs> telekinetic <laughs> atomizer. Yeah. So um, what? What yeah. actually is CERN? Just save so, me, save me a read. So CERN is, uh, it's not just the Large Hadron Collider. So, so what everyone thinks it is, is, is a massive loop. It's a massive ring that they accelerate particles super close to the speed of light um, at each other and they hit each other and they explode. And then we look at what happened at the explosion because we're trying to create, trying to recreate conditions that were close to the bang, Big Bang, or, or, uh, or immediately after, or uh, yeah, immediately after, yeah, in that kind of like hot, hot period of whatever it was called, I can't remember. Um, but uh, you're you're basically trying to create conditions that you can't really create unless you like blow up a sun, and you're trying to do it with like two particles, you know, whatever. Um, so you're just trying to look at like the interactions way back at the start, and one of one of the big things was to discover mm -hmm. this Higgs boson, which this uh, Professor Higgs from Edinburgh had theorized in the 60s yep. and you know you know typical super academic just leased about for years and years and wrote about two papers he's like yeah whatever and then they mm. discover it he's like ah my he's work a is rock yeah, star, yeah, he's a rock like, star yeah he got a nobel prize did he know <laughs> uh, i can't remember but rightly so but basically this is like so we, we have this model um of particle physics of what yep. makes up everything and there's always been a piece missing it's like yeah yeah so it's like that's the Higgs boson so the a boson is like a force carrier um so you got like different carriers like a gluon and a 
bolt on and have bows on, and they they all carry a different, like either the electromagnetic electromagnetic weak force, or is it nuclear? Nuclear weak, nuclear strong, electromagnetic or or light. Electromagnetic is, uh, no gravity is the other one. Sorry, electromagnetic or gravity, um, and they're. This Higgs boson is like the thing they call the sort of super building block that will yep. build everything. So uh, I'm not a particle physicist, by the way. It's not my, not my <laughs> thing. Um, but yeah, it was interesting. So uh, they, they've just done loads of cool experiments. Like so, uh, Tim Berners-Lee or whatever his name is, he, he basically like invented the internet so he could talk to everyone in CERN. <laughs> yep. so, he could, so it's basically it's a massive, massive lab. It's uh, a lot of it's hundred meters under the ground. Uh, there's loads of different particle accelerators. There's loads of different labs doing loads of different crazy things. Yep. A lot of it's mostly particle physics, um, but they do some, they do some cool stuff there. So, um, what they're they try, what they're trying try to achieve? Well, they're, they're trying to match up theoretical physics to experimental observation. Yep. So people sit and they theorize things like. The Higgs boson. They theorize things like the multiverse theory, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, matter against antimatter, blah 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 blah. Exactly. Yeah, supersymmetry. They just they just think of all these these things that they they can try and predict theoretically that will exist in nature, but we can't don't have a way of proving them. So they're trying to figure out ways to prove that. So smashing atoms together at point nine 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 times the speed of light is as best as we can get at the moment. Yeah. So so that's what they're doing. It's like seven hundred million pounds a year is pumped into CERN. It's taking what. 30 years to build it. Uh, it's it's a massive... So I, I, I went around... Are, really, are, you, are we sure this isn't the Stargate? <laughs> <Yeah>. Well... <laughs> I think it represents a really cool thing, to be honest yeah. with you, because it's, as I say, it's like discovery for the sake of it, and it's about finding out the truth without that, you know, preconception of what your thing is, you know, your outlook yeah. on life is bringing to the table. It's, like, it's also a massive thing for international cooperation mm. like and i think it's weird as well when you we talk about like the conspiracies and stuff like that like it, it was kind of like the beginning of the current like american political climate because it was supposed to go to texas and the republicans yeah. went get it to fuck i'm like we don't want it and it it's, was re- it was really the f- one of the first main examples of like the modern post-truth like anti-science thing that came through you know like american republicans and stuff so it would have been in that kind of ballpark i possibly maybe carter an interesting thing uh when i was talking about when they measured the speed of light of that particle wrong and it didn't actually go faster than speed of light i was talking to my lecturer and he said "Uh, maybe it's a paradigm shift and i was like you know we talked like the week before about naming the band and i was going what the hell's that a change, a dramatic change in the paradigm, or like it's like a it's like a drastic way of changing thinking or thought or you know way things go. So I thought that that's getting used. So that's that's basically where the band name came from. Was me chatting, shout my lecture at lunch when I should have been like hanging out with my friends instead of being a big nerd sitting in a <laughs> sitting in his office talking about science. It was definitely better than like probably the four million name suggestions I made in the background. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh mate, I could tell you. I mean, we did the first gig that I ever did. Um, it was in a, like a school band. So uh-huh. Me and Richie, like yeah. always, yeah, yeah. who are always and forever. But um, <laughs> he's 
we were called, we, we went to this thing where they were like, do you want to go and play at the lighthouse in Glasgow? And we were like, aye, all right. But it was like a school teacher that was like, do you want to go and do this? So it was like, aye, cool. Right, we'll go and do it. And we turned up, but it was an actual gig. There's like bands <laughs> there. There like bands there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like guy, the guys that headlined had a deal. And we were like, <laughs> what's going on here? What are we then? Aye, here? we were there. Shit you not, we played three covers, one of our songs. <laughs> and um, we got to the side of the stage and the guy's like what he's called like, no idea I'm not sure pure Planet Caravan <laughs> <laughs> my, my school band was called Dude Sweat Dude Sweat <laughs> oh no Dude Sweat good guys <laughs> yeah. did you ever do a gig? just the it was in school like the we had like a couple school put on gigs so we, we played and apart from that it was like my friend and I just jamming Foo Fighters songs and like Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls and uh, what was the thing with bacon electric bacon no that was my friend and I just I was like in a hungover invention uh, Paisley's Flight of the Concords <laughs> some shite like that yeah. <laughs> just like after a night I think we went to it was Furies and Paisley so it was like a, uh, it's a good night well Furies is always a fun I think good is I a, make it's a not good the Scottish Jermaine by the way <laughs> <laughs> Furies was I mean I thought I think Furies is dead now I don't know but um, it, it was an interesting. It was a night, and adjectives can be, you know, inserted at your own at your own leisure, whatever you feel is is the appropriate one. But um, yeah, we just kind of woke up one morning, and my friend just went, "Can we just write a song where the chorus just goes in the toilet? I am trapped." And I was like, "Ah, yeah." And it was like <laughs> seven, <laughs> seven hours later, we just had this. Yeah, <laughs> seven hours later, it was like. There you go, there's a tune, that was it. Uh, but we never really did much else. I think that was just a kind of, we wanted to do a bit more, but I think my friend was as keen for it. So I was like, yeah, well, no worries in. I've got, I've got some, I've got a cool band here, Paradigm Shoe. So that was put electric project. bacon in a cupboard for another day. <laughs> do you just want to go back to it? <laughs> I if we could be up to it, I think. Get upset using the name. <laughs> when you want to be doing that. So I mean, might have been actually like in search, so we were talking off. Half Mike about um, we've been in search for stories about Scotland and like just interesting stuff. I think we started. Mm. It was like let's find a Scottish conspiracy theory, <laughs> and you were telling us that there's a, there was actually a Scottish colony. Yeah, so it's called the Darien Scheme, um, and it was basically between between the Union of the Crowns, but not the Union. Yeah, between the Act or the Union of the Crowns, but not the Act of <clears throat> Union or the Union of Parliaments. So sixteen hundred to seventeen hundred, that kind of era. Uh, England had a few colonies, France had a few, Spain had a few, Portugal had a few. So everyone's starting to get in on this colonialisation game and Scotland at the time, uh, still an independent-ish kingdom, went, I want to know that. So they, uh, this guy, can't remember his name, it might have been Darien, but I'm just going to not say that because that would be too obvious and it's obviously a trick question. So um, <laughs> <laughs> can't remember his name, but he basically... I don't think anybody's fact-checking this, mate. That's nah, all right. that, it would be me if I was there. <laughs> That's no right. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so basically, he went around Scotland, lobbied a lot of the... I think he got some money from England as well. He basically collected a load of money. Uh, a lot of Scot Scotland's richer people, he took money from them. And he filled up two boatloads and he picked a colony, Panama, there. We're going to Panama. So, but the, the, the King of England at the time and also the King of Scotland, because they were, they were joined and, and crowned, 
I think it was King James. I'll get that fact check wrong in a minute. Um, whatever king it was, he was a, a Scottish king on the English throne. That but couldn't, right. couldn't support uh, a Scottish colonial expedition because it would be against his, his interests. Yeah, it would be against his interests. And for some reason, Scotland was at war with Spain and England didn't want to stir that up. So basically this... Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's mad. So Scotland took, took his expedition, took its two or three ships, whatever it was, over to Panama, set up this wee colony, <clears throat> I think called Darien. Um, uh, just about everybody died of some weird plague. And that was a disaster. So they went, oh shit, just about everybody's dead. And then the uh, Spanish turn up. And like I think another boat comes and the the town where everyone's been has been like savaged by the Spanish. And the, the king of England and Scotland at the time has went... Nah, we can't. We're not going to support the. We're not going to support this it's Scottish expedition here. So, obviously, like politically, if he'd done that, he'd had to go to war with Spain, who were very, very, very powerful at the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was quite interesting. So Scotland tried to get in, in the colony game, and what happened was Scotland basically bankrupt itself, and um, in order to get some of that money back, which a lot of the the richer families were pretty pissed off quite rightly so that some guys taking yeah. the money and threw it away in Panama um, so that, that was an absolute disaster ran out of food got you know bombed by the Spanish everything just complete disaster <clears throat> uh, they tried to you know the boats came in they tried to land at port to get supplies and it's like that nah, can't do it you know your Spanish are there can't do it God's sake so the whole thing just went to shit yeah. uh, in order for Scotland to get some money back um, some of the basically the king of England or king of Scotland whatever or some of the family, I can't quite remember who, but a lot of money was offered to these people to for as recompense if they would sign an act of union. Because if you look at the if you look at the Empire's game, England was doing okay. Scotland wasn't well, obviously a bit of a disaster, you know. Yeah. We're a small we're a small country. We, how can <clears throat> Scotland you know was what, smaller and poorer? How could, do you know why they picked Panama? Just it's just one of those places. I've got another interesting story about you, another weird you Scottish kind of going to be a tax haven in twenty sixteen. Alex Salmon's <laughs> distant relative is like I've got a plan, yeah. Um Alexis Salmon. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, he so so that happened, that was a disaster, and a lot of the money was paid to these Scottish families and they basically that's basically how I think Britain came about, or the United Kingdom came about, um, because they, they joined the Act of Parliament, so <clears throat> Scotland kept its church, but the monarchy and the Parliament were now part of England, but Scotland kept Scots law, mm -hmm. um, Scots common law, that kind of thing. So uh, it still got to remain to be... Because there was an English Civil War not that long before this, and, and that I think the English Civil War just describes the battlefield, but a lot of the fighting was actually... Uh, I think a lot most of the generals were Scottish mercenaries that were in Sweden, etc., etc. So there was, like... A lot of Scots fought in it, Irish, yeah. you know, absolutely everyone. It's like a it was a British Britannia civil war, really, uh, just to see who was going to take the, the who was going to be in charge of the country. Mm -hmm. um, you think that the, yeah. when you when I think back, obviously I'm ridiculously uneducated in this, like, and uh -huh. even just British history past this fuck this century, yeah, pretty much. Um, when I think about like that sort of time, I think about Scots people being like wild. Nah, <laughs> no wild like, enough, yeah. clearly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think about them as being like, do you know what I mean? Like that sort of like kill, like that's the way that we were. It wasn't, but there was we, this whole yeah. other section um, that, no, something's 
gone. It, it's fine. It won't hear it. Okay. Um, there's this whole section of like the nobleman, like that type of thing. Yeah. So that were actually like active in politics and going abroad, whereas we, I, I, well, we, I say we. I'm talking about me here because I'm, I'm ignorant here. Uh-huh. I think about Braveheart. I do. I think about Rob Roy. I, was I think about okay. like, we were impoverished and we were in the hills and we were with our farms and they came here and they took it and blah blah blah. That is the kind of sort of attitude that I've. Do you run about the time of slavery and the tobacco barons? If you think about, That's, you know, Glasgow, like that would have. But we're talking like seventeen hundreds, seventeen to eighteen hundreds. Yeah, yeah, Glasgow got Glasgow exploded after sixteen hundred and eighty or something like that. I was looking right. at populations the other day for some reason. I, I, I do that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Just yeah. because. Yeah, um, yeah, why not? Yeah, um, Mitchell Library. I'm not going to say I've never looked up the population of a country, well, but, you know. <laughs> 19, 1960, Glasgow was the most densely populated city on the planet. Yep. And then they had to, like, shove everyone out to Cumbernauld and East Kilbride and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, like, that notional romantic vision of Scotland as the under underdog stuff, that's a, lot, a complete lot of nonsense. Like you, And Braveheart has just solidified that. Because people didn't even run about in kilts. Like, see, the nobles, they're no different. That Half of them are English nobles anyway, and half the Scottish nobles were in England. No different to, to England in that feudal medieval time. We just had a couple of smaller castles because we're a smaller country. Scotland was a kingdom before England was. Like, so uh, there's a new movie coming out, Outlaw King. Yeah. And if you, I don't know if you've seen the trailer for Captain it. It's basically Carter. like, seen it, uh, it's Braveheart too, but like for a modern audience who doesn't want romanticised Hollywood like, bullshit we go facts yeah time. they go put right what, what did the nobles wear what did the soldiers wear what did they do oh they wore male like everyone else oh they were backstabbing bastards like everyone else that's the reality of what it was like the see the Scottish court and Stirling Castle there were more murders there more politically motivated monar- monarchical uh, bloodlust like feuds that ever existed. And Macbeth and, was set in Scotland for a uh, reason. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> Scotland was just it was mad, but And now you're talking seventeenth century again in that ballpark, yeah. aren't you? So but in, in the seventeenth century before that, because Scotland had like bankrupt itself, uh more parts of it were rural. And that's when a lot of the money came up and Scotland just started to explode economically. Like Glasgow and Edinburgh just went like got really big. Like Edinburgh was the Athens of the North. It was like that's where you went to go to university. Because it was clever. Glasgow's the fourth oldest English-speaking university in the world. It's like there was a lot of stuff up here, and to to think that we were impoverished and we were beat down and we underdog. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. It's just it, was it's, Glasgow Uni six seven hundred year old or something. Uh, it's as much it's, as that. It's, thir- it's either maybe thirteen hundreds, I think. Aye. Something like that. It's it's pretty old anyway. But um, cause, I mean, Oxford's only like what eleven fifty or whatever. It's a so reputation that, that remains with places like St Andrews and mm. various other, you know, institutions in Scotland. Yeah. That there's still a, a reputation for solid education. Yeah, well, it comes for that. Well, it is with the the land of little random inventors and weird little scientists and full of culture and all that stuff. So it's <clears throat> yeah, and you know, a lot, a lot of that I realised when I was away. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a there's a Burns poem about I think it's parcel of rogues in a nation were bought and sold for English gold, sort of parcel of rogues, that kind yeah. of thing. That was about. The, the Scots families all taking the English money and now they felt beholden to to Westminster or the Parliament kind of thing. So it was a, it, you know, that, that whole rage and struggle has been around for like 300 years. So uh, it's nothing new, but there were times where it was, uh, I, I think it's kind of went like, a, it's been really good being British and it's been not so good. And it's been really good being British, it's been not so good. And we're in a kind of like, we're in a bit of a low at the moment. 
like because mm. World War Two, we're like, you know, we'll go beat the Germans and all that. Yep. We're super British. Everybody loves the King, the Queen, Homes whatever. Homes for Heroes, the NHS. Oh, that stuff. Yeah, everything's going great, and then now it's like Brexit. What a disaster! Like this is this is our this is our legacy. This is what we're left with. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's just an interest. It's an interesting relationship. But as soon as as soon as England and Scotland stopped fighting and became one nation, sort of thing, uh, our empire just exploded because. You know, Scottish people are notoriously good at fighting. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. they had, <laughs> like this, yeah. nah, they had a lot. Had yeah. a lot I think it's weird that the the British Empire came about because the Scottish Empire didn't. You know what I mean? Like I'm still stuck on Panama over here somewhere. You know what I mean? But but I think that's the. I mean, it's a it's a lovely little romantic notion. If you ever play, I don't know if you ever play like little Sim City games or anything. Right. You're like, oh, I can have my own little city, and then it turns out it's like. I can't manage New York. I'm a complete disaster. I didn't even manage a, like 50 people Hamlet. And I was like, <laughs> everybody's died. Like, I forgot to build a funeral home. Spain took over. Like, I had plague or something. You're like, no. no that's, that's that's kind of what it feels like to me. It's just like a, it was a, we tried it. I say we, it was nothing to do with me. I'd like to know what the process is for selecting a, a potential colony. They just send scouts out and hope that a guy event. No, this is not a time on oh. wooden ships. You know oh. what I mean? Like, Can you imagine landing? Comes back like three years later and it's pure lads, I know a place, but it's not <laughs> to say about the time you spend three years getting back there that they've no invented guns. You know what I mean? Like, so they're talking about just sending a guy out <clears> on a jolly to go scouting. There was a, a British army officer called Gregor McGregor, who's known as the, the father of securities fraud. Okay. Basically made up, um, I think it was Poyer or Poyer, I, I looked up a saying, I can't remember. Um, he basically invented a beautiful place somewhere in the Caribbean and he got everyone to like pay money into it. He's like made up a bank. He's like, oh, look, banks, you know, so you, you'll pay, you'll get your, you'll get your Poyer and money, blah, blah, blah. Um, excuse me if I'm butchering the term, I can't remember. The, I, think yeah. I think it's Poyer. Right. Um, Poyer's or whatever it is. Um, he basically got a load, load of people in Scotland and England to pay him loads of money so they could get a ticket over. Um, and yeah, right. So we'll skip forward a bit. Everyone comes over. This guy's minted. He's like, yes, oh my gosh. Everyone gets here and they go, where's where's the colony? And they're like, oh, well, they obviously haven't finished building it yet. And it's like, shit. So that was just a complete disaster. And they ended up raising funds a second time. And then... So he basically he got away with it twice. He got away with it. <laughs> so he basically like tricked everybody to to come over and check this thing out, and it just didn't happen. But the, the even better thing is this guy then ended up because he's an ex-British army officer who had like I think he fought against Napoleon round about that time anyway. So um, it wasn't Napoleon; it was the Russians or somebody else who'd beaten a war. He then ended up in what is now Venezuela, fighting for Venezuela's independence. Won Venezuela's independence. And he got like a statue built for him there, and all that all that remains of him here is like a tiny little grave in like air or something, wherever he's from. Is that this guy? There's up here, mad Scot Scottish people all over the globe doing weird things like Aye. you know inventing TV and securing Venezuela's independence from the Spanish. <laughs> Starting the KKK. They're <laughs> just like, well, you get the good with the bad. Need to remember Trump's fucking Scottish. Well, I so he's no, he's Scotch. I'm Scotch. He's Scotch. Yeah, it's me. That'll be a issue. Um, yeah. He's Scottish, <laughs> aye, which instantly vetoes him for being anything <laughs> near fucking yeah. Scottish. Yeah. You absolute fucking. Well, he's, he's orange, which is such <laughs> well, polarish, yeah. Um, and that as obnoxious. Yeah, that was my little interesting factoid on. I think you should make it Scottish. 
I think you should get a fucking flight out, man. Go and see that statue, Gregor McGregor. <laughs> Even his name, I was like, tell me about this guy. I want to know. So, Who's audacious enough to name their kid Gregor, Gregor McGregor? McGregor. It does take a set. <laughs> it's, it's almost a fucking punishment. Yeah. So, so bold. A new run, man. I've, yeah. So we just, we'll just stop it there, man. I've really enjoyed the conversation, man. Yep. We've had a wee history okay. lesson and um, a wee physics lesson. Yep. Some literature. Spoke about like. I, I'm, I'm really surprised about the sort of coach thing that you've done, man, because uh-huh. we've spoke to a couple of people that have been like sort of coaches and I've, it's something that I've never really been like, it's been in sort of like an idea of like, well, get like a life coach or get some guidance here. I've never really had that, but the last sort of six months I've used it a couple of times and going to keep using it uh-huh. because I see so much value in it. Somebody just yeah. giving you an objective view on your life point of view yeah. on your life and yeah. I think even it sounds like this guy that you've had the opportunity to uh, work with sounds more like a sort of therapist and a, he's like a, in the mirror like putting the mirror or just that's what he's done he, he's just went tell me what you want yeah he, he just he, he had a great way of he's a he's a particularly unique individual I've never met a guy like him and the way that he does he does work he does business the way that he organises his personal life the way that he does things is not how I would operate, mm-hmm. but I see complete value in what he does. So I try and mimic some of the things he does and put it in my own my own spin on it to work for me. And it's been great. And for that, I think his, he always made the, the, the difference of mentoring and coaching. He's like, mentoring, I'll tell you. And sometimes I just want that. I go, how did I do this? And he goes, do this. And sometimes coaching is like, I need to like, draw things out of you so that your brain is now going I've, I've in, in my head I've overcome that situation already so uh, yeah he, he, he's really interesting um, and I think obviously he's like older so he just he's seen a bit of life you know so yeah he's great great thing I think the thing with life coaches is you need to get someone who has lived a life and isn't just like oh I'm a life coach I'm oh definitely then, like, then you end up with some idiot who anybody that, that, that I've been dealing with it's been very specific yeah. and the their credentials are solid in that really specific area. You wouldn't be sitting speaking to somebody that yeah, yeah, like twenty two year old life coach. Exactly. Yeah. Sitting going, Oh, would oh what happened? But if that twenty two year old has managed to build a business up from scratch and he wants to tell you how he did it and maybe mm. give you some suggestions, then you've got to sit and listen to him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I've I've seen some some absolute belters on like off on Facebook and things. It's like, Oh, I'm running my own life coach business and I was like Right, but you've spelled something wrong and you you're just you know, you're just like you obviously don't pay that much attention to what you're doing so obviously you've just ran out of other options and this is what you're doing now but mm. um it's always going to be people jumping on bandwagons aren't they I, I, absolutely that was it it's like self-help it's like the answer is more work the answer is less work so like, which one do i pick and they you know they've just less went work. hey i'm gonna i'm gonna <laughs> less they're work. gonna they're gonna talk about this because it's always this, less work always uh, less work. <laughs> always less work. yeah the answer's the power of yes the power of no I think like, it, which one is a it? lot of the time yeah. um it is more work but smarter work Work hard, work work smart, not hard. But it, yeah. like, uh, you don't need to work. You don't need to knock your pan in for like sixteen hours a day to no. be working hard. You could work and be like really good. That's me. I keep I keep pulling out. Oh, oh, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> it's your fucking fault. Sorry. But I a lot of the time that's that's the that's the message that I get is is that you need to continue to work hard and as hard and harder. But there's ways that you can cut, and it isn't necessarily cut corners. I was going to say cut corners, but mm. there there are better ways of doing what you're doing. 
And if yeah. you can learn that better way and do it like that, then you won't be stressed. So mm. why don't you just go and learn how to do that? I like that. Yeah. Like streamlines process improvement is my that's my kind of mantra. Mm-hmm. Nice. But I've really enjoyed the chat, man. Absolutely. Is this another week where I feel like I've not even touched the sides again? But I know. We'll <laughs> definitely get you back on because obviously you're going to be doing some music and stuff like that. So maybe when we've got yeah. something, we'll come on, we'll play a track or something like that. Yeah, we'll cool. I'll get the two user on that side of the desk. I know. That'd be cool. But cheers, Thank man. <laughs> Thanks very much for coming in and chatting to us, man. My pleasure. Thanks very much for having cheers. me. Cheers. Cheers, mate.